Today's episode of Two Man Advantage is presented by the Salvation Army. Your donation can help those affected by COVID-19 find help and hope. To give, ask your smart speaker to make a donation to the Salvation Army or make your gift in the United States at SalvationArmyUSA.org and in Canada at SalvationArmy.ca. Hey everybody, Scott Burnside back for another edition of Two Man Advantage, the podcast. Pierre Lebrun has quieted the dogs in Toronto. We're ready to tape and we are in fact joined by special guest, the pride of Sherwood Park, Alberta, Carter Hart, netminder of the Philadelphia Flyers. And Carter, unlike Pierre, who hasn't washed his dogs, you're fresh from having washed the family dog rider. So you, you are apparently making good use of your time during the pause in the NHL season. So thanks for joining us. How, how are things going in uh, Sherwood Park, Alberta? Hey, yeah, uh, things are going all right. Um, I mean, pretty crazy times with the world right now, but um, I mean, I'm lucky that I'm back home here in, in uh, Alberta because things aren't near as bad as they are down in the U.S. right now, and uh, especially on the East Coast with New York and Pennsylvania. and um, sure. So it's not as bad up here, but uh, still, still pretty crazy. What's going on? Yeah, and in fact, uh, I got friends all over Alberta, Carter, and I. In many ways, there's, there's a lot of concern economically in Alberta. You know, aside from the pandemic scare, a lot of it's about oil and gas, isn't it? Right? It's hard not to yeah. hard not to think about that these days if you live in Alberta. Especially if my dad, like my dad, works in the oil industry, and but I mean, they're considered an essential service, so. Um, luckily, and especially for him, like he's mostly just in his office most of the day. So he doesn't really come in contact with too many people. But, um, like, I mean, I think gas is like 58 cents a liter, which is like the cheapest I think I've ever seen. Uh, it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, uh, so Carter, I was, uh, people, uh, well, I'm sure no one has forgotten and I'm sure you and your family haven't forgotten, but I got to spend a few days with you in Sherwood Park at your place and in the area in the summer, which was a ton of fun. So I assume you're in the basement. That's your your space in the in the house. Is the electric guitar nearby? And will you play us a few chords before this is done? <laughs> uh, I have been practicing a lot, but uh, it is right beside me. <laughs> I knew that it would be. Now, at, honestly, before we get done, if you feel like you're just in the middle of one of my long questions, if you want to get the guitar and tune it up. Uh, so what have you been working on? I know yeah, I, you've got a pretty wide range of musical tastes, uh, almost, some of which is even in my wheelhouse. Uh, what have you been working on? What, what would you say is, at this point, your sort of the, the pride and joy of your repertoire uh, in terms of what you can play? Um, honestly, I think during this break, I, like, I haven't had this much time to do much of anything. So, uh, I've been practicing a lot. Uh, I've been playing that Behind Blue Eyes by Limp Biscuit. Um, okay. so I, I'm getting better at that, that one. Is that the old Who song? Yeah. Is that so a Who it's, it Did is, they... but it's the, okay. uh, like a remake of it. I like the guitar, right. the guitar sounds better in that version. And then, um, a song called Cigarette Daydreams by Cage the Elephant. Oh, I like Cage the Elephant. They haven't. There's another song. See, look, Shake look at me, me down. I'm like trendy. Is it that one? Yeah, 
That's a good yeah, song. Yeah, it might be. But, okay, Carter, whatever you do, never let Scott Burnside take over a jukebox in a bar. Let me just... I've had 20 <laughs> years of that happening to me. And its uh, it really leads down a difficult path when he takes over the music. Well, let's talk hockey. And I like to say, you know, uh, the season was put on pause last month, but it feels like six months ago, I think, for everyone involved. And uh, you guys were... A team that was uh, getting ready for the playoffs and then some, uh, arcing big time, one point out of first place near division. Any any concern that if that if the season is actually resumed, how you how you get that mojo back? I mean, I, every team in the league is wondering the same thing. How are we going to be, you know, when if and when the season starts again? It's it's going to be a long time between games. Yeah, I mean, um, you hear so many things about what's going on, and I mean. JVR is our player rep, so he does a good job of kind of keeping us informed uh, with the PA meetings and stuff like that. But, um, I mean, for us, like, we've done a really good job of staying in touch with our group chat, uh, just group FaceTime calls, playing video games online with each other. Um, but, honestly, I think that's that's probably huge that we make sure that we all stay in touch with each other and keep up to date. Um, but, I mean, when we do come back um, – I think it, you have to give us a little bit of time for sure to, to get prepared, whether that's maybe two weeks of train, like a training camp, mini training camp, or uh, I'm not sure how you'll do it, but um, I'm sure we'll have to cross that road uh, when it comes about. Yeah. Do, do you think that, I mean, you're a guy that's, that's really big on structure. You have, you have a lot of things going on in terms of your preparation. It's, I, I think it's, it's something that, that a lot of people look at you and that and that's a it's a really important part of of who you are as an athlete and certainly as a goaltender do you think it's it will be harder for goaltenders in general coming back and let's assume there is some sort of whether it's a training camp or however it's going to what the structure is going to be do you think it's harder for goalies in general to come back from something like this and get ramped up more quickly than skaters or do you think it is it individual case by case or what do you think uh, I'm not sure. Like, I mean, I think everybody's in the same boat where no one's faced uh, a, a situation quite like this. Like, it's pretty uncommon for this to happen. Um, so I think when we do come back, I think everybody's going to kind of be in the same position where we all have to find a way uh, to get back to um, hockey shape, I guess you could call it. Um, so I, th- I think that's that's going to be uh something that um i mean no one has gone through and when we do come back i mean we're professional athletes so i mean we're all trying as best as we can with everything that we have access to to stay in shape now um off the ice at least because we don't have access to ice anywhere but um so we are trying to stay in shape as best as we can because when we do get that call that we're going to be coming back here soon or whenever that may be, that we have to stay prepared. And um, once we get that call, we just have to find a way to uh, get back into uh, game shape. But to Scott's point, goalies are such a precise art form. And I'm wondering, is there anything you can do right now, given that you don't have access to ice? I mean, we had Justin Williams on last week on this podcast, and he goes, that's the thing that is just impossible to duplicate is a skating stride when you're just, you know, working out, working out off the ice, working out at home. There's nothing like being on the ice. But as a goalie, are there any programs that, you know, whether they, you know, 
whether it's something you visualize or, or, or anything technical that you can do at home off the ice that, that helps you keep sharp that way? Or is it really just like any other skater where you need to get back on the ice at some point to get that going again? Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, like I have a vision training program that I'm doing uh, four times a week on my iPad. Uh, but that's something that I do like all season long, um, usually on practice days or off days. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm able to do that. And uh, I'm actually in my garage, I just ordered some of that hockey tile, like the stick handling tile from Amazon. Um, so I got I got 50 square feet of that put in the garage there. And uh, we actually just put a net in the garage with a tar- hung up a tarp behind it. I know I'm not I'm not goalie, so I don't really need to work on practicing my shot, but um, just stick <laughs> handling for as whatever long it may be gets pretty pretty boring. So we put up a net and a tarp so I could rip some too. <laughs> so you you told me a story when I was out visiting you last summer about when you were younger and your sister is she's what three or four years younger than yeah you are? she's four years younger than me. Right, and you used to dress her up in snow gear or whatever, put her in a net, and pelt her with tennis balls until she went in and cried. <laughs> and I wonder now if if you have reversed, like, do or your mom or your dad, you know, like, can you get the pads on and have them shoot, you know, <laughs> tennis balls or something? Like, I, well, I'm just, I'm sure it wouldn't break the, that wouldn't break the uh, NHL rules. But can is there any way to actually get some, you know, the to get your stuff on and have somebody shoot stuff on you? Um, I mean, I'm not sure. Like it's, the tile is a little different. It's not really meant for, um, like equipment or anything like that on it. I'm not sure. Right. Um, but I mean the one time last summer when I get ice by myself and my dad usually comes out, um, to rim some pucks along the boards when we work on some puck handling or stuff like that. But I remember he was dumping in pucks from the blue line and I was trying to get him to shoot him up high. So I'd reach up and catch him, set the puck on the ice and then fire it back up to him. Um, I think he probably missed, like, was way off by, by me by, like, I don't know, five times in a row or whatever. Um, and his shot, I was chirping him. I was like, man, you got a saucer pass for a shot. What are you doing? Like, come on, my glove's up here, not down here. <laughs> so I don't know if he's got it anymore. Uh, well, it, and it's hard. It, I'm sure you, you know, I mean, it, it's hard to get good help these days. So maybe he's, you know, maybe you would have offended him. Maybe he wouldn't shoot on you. I think he maybe I need to get him a new, a new twig because he's got a pretty old vintage <laughs> CCM Alex Steen curve uh, twig. And it's thing is a hook. Like, I don't know how you could shoot with it. I, th- I think that just made me feel old, the fact that Alex Steen is the old twig. But uh um, it, it, you know, I, I was thinking about you this year with your success, Carter, that, you know, there are a couple of markets in the league that I think of when I think of goalies, both for good reasons and for, and for bad reasons, because uh, there's just a lot of stories over the years. Vancouver's one for whatever reason, with the Canucks and all the goalies they've had. Philadelphia is, is legendary, both because they've had amazing goalies over the years from the late. Pelly Lindbergh to, to Ron Hextall um, and now to yourself and others, but also because when when there are struggles, that seems to be a position that's highlighted. I don't know if you figured that out yet from being in Philadelphia, <laughs> but <laughs> but I it, I'm reminded of a quote that I once got from Sean Burke, who who grew up a Flyers fan. I don't know if you knew that Sean Burke, and I wrote wow. this story about 12 years ago for ESPN.com, and 
in uh, 2009. He said, quote, the most excited I ever was in my career was going to Philly. The second most excited I ever was in my career was to get the heck out of there. <laughs> was what Sean Burke said. <laughs> and, you know, he's having fun with it. But what, I mean, what's been your vantage point like so far, you know, being a young star goalie for that franchise? Um, I mean, I, I love the city of Philly. Um, you got all four major sports teams. Um, I mean, the, the fans really care about all their teams. And um, when we're winning, they're, they're behind us all the way. And then when we're losing and we're sucking, uh, they'll let us know. And <laughs> I remember one time this year, I think it was, I don't know who were, might've been the first game of the year. Um, and it was zero zero and our first game of at home this year and it was zero zero after the first period and we we're getting booed off the ice. And we're like, because <laughs> <laughs> we haven't scored yet. Um, no, but I mean, as, as players in that market, I think we can really appreciate how much the fans get into it and how involved they are. I mean, you look at other markets and sometimes like, for example, at Florida or, uh, I think Carolina has actually gotten a lot better, but, um, you look at a, like a Florida where they're half empty most of the time or, and it's pretty much like a library in there. It's just dead quiet. And then you come into Philly and it, even, even if it's not sold out, which most nights near the end there it was, um, even when it's not, it's still so loud and, and they get really into it. And, um, I think for us, that's definitely, uh, for our home ice advantage. Um, I think that's definitely a positive is I think I think it's hard for teams to come into our building and and play. Yeah, I, one of the things in, when you and I talked to Carter, it, it was anticipating what the season was going to be like for you, your first full NHL season. And if I'm not mistaken, you you moved into your own place downtown Philly. In fact, it might not be far from a place that Pierre and I've been to, which I'm sure you've never been to. It's called the Las Vegas Lounge. Uh, so actually, uh, I, have, uh... you told me about that. And when my goalie coach uh, from my, my old goalie coach from Everett, uh, Shane Clifford, yeah. he was, uh, right. he came down for a weekend and we, we were like, we drove by it actually. And we're like, Hey, I remember uh, Scott told me to go check this place out. So we went in there. It was a Friday night and it was dead. Like we're like, Oh, oh no, well, that, that's how <laughs> it is every night. Place. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because the, there were no hockey writers in there, but, uh, um, so are you still downtown? And, uh, cause I think some of your, wasn't, you know, Claude Giroux and Jake Voracek, I think some of the other guys are in, were in your neighborhood at least, but what's it been like to, you know, to have that sort of season, even though it's paused now, but to have your own place to get into that kind of groove, um, you know, for the first time in, in your first full year in Philly, has it been different than you thought or what kinds of things have, you know, has that meant to you? Um, yeah, I mean, for sure. It's nice to get into my own place. I know last year with, uh, Jake letting me stay in his old place for a couple months, I think that really helped. And, uh, for me to get out of the hotel and, um, move into an actual apartment. And I mean, that was pretty cool f for him to do that for me. Um, but then coming this, coming into this year, uh, moving into my own place from the beginning of the year, I think that's important. And that's, uh, like I got down there, I think two weeks, week and a half before training camp. So I got to get settled in. And, um, I think that's really important is that you get settled in right away. Uh, you don't have to worry about all that other stuff. You get it all set up so that, um, 
you have a place to relax when you come home from the rink and a place to unwind and get your mind off things and just chill out. Carter, a couple of weeks ago, the, the NHLPA released uh, their player poll, which is always a fun read every year to figure out what you guys think of each other. <laughs> and, um, you know, once again, uh, you know, Carey Price was the answer when the skaters were asked, you know, I can't remember what the question was. Was it who they thought the best goalie was or the goalie they'd won in a game yeah, seven? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And, and I know that, you know, Carey's come under a lot of media scrutiny, like a lot of people criticizing where his game is at or not as consistent. But what what does it tell you when when the players around the league put him up there again? I mean, I'm curious about your vantage point because, you know, a lot of people compare you to a young Carey Price in, in terms of the way you handle yourself and your demeanor. But what what's your viewpoint of that when you hear other players picking him again? Yeah, I think they're totally 100% accurate. Like, I, I agree with them, and he's he was my favorite goalie growing up. Uh, I still think he's the best goalie in the NHL. Um, I mean, everything he does from his mobility, his increased movement, I mean, he's besides maybe Mike Smith, he's the best puck handler in the NHL. Um, and he's just so calm in the net makes – uh, difficult saves look so easy and I remember when we were playing them earlier in the year I think maybe November we actually won in overtime and he was the only reason that they were in the game like Nicky made 40 saves and we won 3-2 um, but he made like a couple amazing saves and they just looked so easy and it was just crazy to see yeah actually I worked that broadcast for TSN that was uh you guys were all over I remember I hit a yeah. backdoor save on Coots in the first period, and I couldn't <laughs> believe that he got over there. That was crazy. <laughs> now, are you like uh, a lot of us where you've been tuning into classic games and the rerun of, of games, both recent past and, and long past? I, do you, Are you watching them? And if you And if you are watching them, are you – do you watch specifically – how the goaltenders play and whether it's a, a classic game with Gary Price or Grant Fuhrer or whatever, do you, do you watch them? And if you do, do you watch them differently as a goaltender? Do you think? Yeah, I've been watching a couple. I watched that, uh, the cup final games there from 15 and 13, uh, that were just on, but, um, it's actually kind of cool when I'm watching, you see some of the guys there that you're playing against now that were playing that are, that are still playing. And, um, sure. But actually, my dad, like, he records on the DVR there um, every single one of my games that's on TV. So most of the time, he's watching my games. I don't know why. <laughs> like, on the weekend, he'll be just sitting upstairs, and I can hear the game, one of my games on. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, just wanted to watch. <laughs> so then I sit down and watch with him. <laughs> Now, do you, so I don't want to interrupt you, but do you only watch games in which you have played well or won, or is it the whole gamut? Like, you, so you, he does you, only he does. So only he okay. watches games that I've played well in. The ones that I didn't, he deletes them off the recording. <laughs> <laughs> See, well, wait a minute. See, that balances out not being able to rim the puck properly when you're working out on the ice. If he's erasing your lousy performances, that's. I don't know. That's that's love like, in my mind. So that's great. Well, listen. For, before we let you go, Carter, uh, we've been asking all the players this, of course, and 
I think I know what your answer will be, but I don't want to prejudge it. But, uh, you know, is it, you know, do, do you have any preference of what a season resumption would look like in terms of format? Uh, you know, is the hope to, to get exhibition games and regular season games in before the playoffs or uh, an expanded playoff format have you, in your group chats with your teammates? Have you guys zeroed in on something that you feel is fair? I mean, I think from now where we're at, I think it's just um, more reasonable just to get into right into playoffs. Like, I mean, obviously we need some time to get together and get back on the ice and um, get back into that hockey shape, but like maybe a couple weeks together for a mini training camp. Um, but then I think you, where we're at, I mean, it's almost, it's going to be May here soon. I think you just got to jump back into the playoffs. And I know um, hearing different conversations around the league with uh, talks between the, the NHL and, and the PA and stuff, like they want the NHL next season to be as normal as possible. And if you want to keep it that way, I think the best case would be just to jump into playoffs now. Hmm. Interesting. And obviously I think like, I know it's, it's, probably easier for me to say that where we're in a, a good spot uh, before this break happened. Um, so I'm sure other players in those spots that were fighting for a playoff spot may say different and uh, I'm sure they have different opinions, but um, I guess that's just mine because <laughs> we're in a spot, a playoff spot right now. But. Yeah. Well, actually the reason I'm surprised by your answer is because a lot of the players have been telling me that they, they want some games before the playoff just to ramp up where they are and just to ramp up their, their game, you know, cause yeah. the, play, the playoffs I mean, are a hundred miles an hour. Yeah, that makes sense. But I, I honestly, I think we get together as a group and, um, we practice for a couple of weeks, like a mini camp. Uh, I think that would get us ready. I know. Um, I think it would get our group ready for sure. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Uh, all right, before we let you go, I I did offer, and I did, we did talk about the guitar. Do you want to play a few licks before you go? You don't have to, but uh, we, maybe we're wide open here. At two... <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> all right, well, here's the deal. Before the start of the playoffs, I want to hear some guitar before the playoffs start. So uh, we'll give you we'll give you the pass this time. But next time on, you got to you got to come up with a, even a few bars. So because I, I I'm pretty good at name that tune, so we could do it that way. All right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway thanks for hanging out with us it's great to catch up and uh stay safe stay healthy and uh hopefully we'll we'll catch you down the road yeah for sure thanks for having me yeah thanks, thanks Carter. Carter. all right that was that uh, was a ton of fun I, I, and um you can tell pierre that uh, the thing i like about carter hart and having spent some time with him he's very he's just such a grounded kid right i mean i remember being out with him uh at a rink in uh, outside of not far from his place uh, just outside of edmonton and some kids were waiting to come on the ice for like a summer camp and carter had the ice by himself and he was out there all by himself just working on you know sort of structural things moving turning you know a bunch of all skating drills some puck handling stuff and so you know a, a couple of the kids came on the ice with him were taking shots and like they uh, they were like oh, who is that and they were like oh it's Carter Hart and they were, so it was pretty it was pretty cool to watch but but such a down to earth kid and you you raised the the whole notion of 
you know, what it's like to play in Philly. And they've been waiting literally for years and years for, and I'm using my air quotes here, the guy. They're waiting for the guy in goal. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm not sure there's, you know, there's, it's way early, right? I mean, you know, it's his first full season in the NHL and it's already, you know, thrown into chaos. But I think Carter Hart is that guy. And I, mm -hmm. it, it's, it, it's, he's such an interesting character or, or personality in a really interesting market in the league. Yeah, and I wonder if he understands what what Sean Burke meant in that quote yet or not. <laughs> but it was it was fun to go find that quote. It's funny when I wrote that piece, I I interviewed a ton of former Flyers goalies for that piece back in the day. Marty Baron, uh, I even I think I got Roy McMahon on the phone from the Czech Republic. A bunch of goalies, and, and obviously Sean Burke was a star in terms of that quote. Um. But I, I remember about a week later, I, I think I talked to Sean again, and he kind of regretted giving me that quote because it it kind of got a life of its own. Uh, but hey, it's uh, it was a good one. Yeah. So so let's I, you know all kinds of stuff in the air, how it looks, regular season games, not regular season games. Uh, and I'll ask you this as we move along because I know you know we talk about this every week. I I remain even more optimistic that. That it is going to happen in some sort of form, um, and not just because you're now allowed to get a tattoo in Georgia, as you and I are speaking here, uh, is, which is now the case, for better or worse. Uh, where, where do you see the Flyers? Their team, for me, they're a little bit hard to, you know, when you consider that Eastern Conference and Tampa, Boston, so powerful in, in the Atlantic, and then the Metro is so jammed up with teams you know whether it's washington and pittsburgh and but philly is right there where where do you see the flyers in in the in the pantheon of eastern conference teams so i think you know this is going to be my standard answer for every team you ask me about from here to the season <laughs> no and i'm not being facetious about it at all i i this goes back to uh you know we don't know how there are 800 nhl players and you don't know how each one of those 800 players are handling their day-to-day -day in isolation and what they've, you know, how, you know, sure. how, and so I think for anyone to sit back right now and say that when, if, and when the puck drops in July, that they know which team is going to look more ready than another one. I think, I, I think you're talking out of your ass. I, I, I don't think anyone knows because <laughs> Because I think there are so many unknowns about how a collection of individuals are going to come back together and have been diligent in making sure that they've been doing everything they can to, to get ready for a season that had a four-month break. Think about that for a second. It's a complete unknown. Yep. It's complete uncharted, right. uncharted territory. And, you know, like I, we talked about this when I was talking to Bruce Cassidy earlier in the pause for another story, and he said, listen... You know, we've got a, a veteran core and a mature group, and he trusts his players. And I, and I believe him, and I think he's right. I mean, you know, that leadership group with Patrice Bergeron and Zidane Chera and Tukarask, you know, they're going to have their eye on the prize, and they're not going to be fooling around too much during this pause. Having said that, how do you know how those aching bodies of Bergeron and Chera in particular that have been through the wars, how they're going to respond after four months off and jumping right into some important hockey games. Yep. I don't know that you can answer that. So I understand you were looking for a flyer's answer. I'm just saying to you, 
I think it's impossible. Like, I bet you we're going to have a team going to run in this if there is a season yeah. resumption this summer. And I think all signs are that there will be without fans and it's going to be funky, centralized sites and all that. I think it's going to be like some teams going to go on a run and you're going to say, huh, didn't see that coming because you didn't realize yeah. that that was the team that somehow figured out the best way to navigate those four months off. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah well, and I wonder, it's interesting because we're uh... – I'm going to uh, be doing some stuff with Sarah Sivian, our fine uh, Hurricanes writer, and uh, some of my our colleagues at The Athletic taking a look at the 06 Stanley Cup Final, which, of course, a terrific seven-game set between Edmonton and, and Carolina. But I wonder if you, if you think there are some parallels between that 05-06 season, which, of course, followed the 0405 lockout, some changes to the rules and and I I just remember you know when we came when that season started it was you know I think I picked Vancouver to win the cup it missed the playoffs mm-hmm. um right so whatever it was but we didn't really have a sense of who was going to be good or what the game was going to look like and of course it, you remember it as well as I do but you know Carolina Buffalo Ottawa those were teams certainly in the Eastern Conference they played at such a warp speed and they seemed to understand more quickly than other teams what it was going to look like mm-hmm. and I wonder if this is going to be the same kind of thing if there's some you know like you say there's going to be a team and who knows which team it might be, depending on the playoff structure. Is it Columbus? Is it the New York Rangers? Is it the Minnesota Wild? Or, or maybe it's Philly or whatever that somehow is going to seize the moment and they're, they are just going to go. And and you're right. Maybe that's exactly what will happen. I, 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 I think the better example, to be honest, and, and maybe you're right, but I think that if you're looking for any kind of example, I feel it's actually what happened coming out of the gates in 2012-13. Yeah, that after good, the first half good, of the season yeah. was was canceled because of the lockout, but then they went right right at it. There were teams that were presumed to be terrible or 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 mediocre that went on runs, and part of it was some of them had more HL players who've been playing all year that were part of their rosters, and there was all this funky stuff happening. But you know, I think of the Leafs that year, for example, as a team that I think surprised a lot of people by making the playoffs. I think you'd agree. You know, it ends up being the heartbreaking game seven for them against Boston, famously. But, but again, I, I feel like some teams took advantage of the fact that it was forty-eight games and not eighty-two after right. inactivity. I guess is what I'm saying. And yeah. and I and again, is there a team that's going to catch lightning in a bottle when the season resumes that you wouldn't have necessarily thought was going to be a factor? Uh, again, depending on what the format and the scheduling is. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Uh, a couple of things before we wrap up here. Um, you, of course, on top of the news as we speak here. Uh, let, let's talk, uh, you're, and you're working on this as we speak, but this the idea that has floated, and, and let's, you know, we preface all this by no one knows, right? We don't know whether we can come back and play. We don't know whether it'll be any regular season games or truncated or how. You, we just don't know any of it because COVID-19 is going to decide all of this, right? How we emerge from it, all those things, whether it's safe to play, and we're not playing if it's not safe. So, but one of the things that has come up, uh, and I must admit, I still don't quite get the whole notion of it, but whether you could have the traditional June draft uh, before the end of the season, and I know that's being discussed. 
me, I don't really get it. Um, but I'm just curious what you're finding out about, you know, t the testing of the waters on whether that's something that could actually work because it clears the deck moving forward of, of a really important event. Um, but does it make sense or, or what's your take on it? Yeah, I mean, that was a bit of a, 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 a bombshell that I dropped on Twitter. I guess it was Tuesday afternoon, Scotty, late Tuesday afternoon. And, and I will I will admit to you that I had heard about it earlier in the day, but wanted to because I was so stunned by the idea that I made a few more calls before uh, unleashing it. And, uh, of course, at the end of the day, as you saw, I quoted Bill Daly himself, the NHL's deputy commissioner, on the tweet that I sent out. Um, because it, it's out there. That is for sure. Now, I my initial reaction is that I really liked it because I, I'm always for things that are different because I think this is a league and a sport that is that has been very conservative over the years for the most part and, and has not always embraced thinking outside the box. And this is thinking outside the box. It also would bring uh, bring to the forefront one of its marquee events, um, you know, at a time where there's been obviously nothing going on, just like any other sport. But uh, you could see, you know, the pros and the cons. The pros are you're you're coming back, you're creating a buzz. There's content. You're reconnecting with fans. You're 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 having a big splash before potentially a puck drop a month later. Um, I also think the most important reason to look at it is the one that no one mentions since this story went out yesterday is that the actual draft prospects themselves, the 18-year-olds, get to actually have their moment at a normal time and not wait till the fall, which would be the other alternative, right? And, um, you know, kids going back to junior or to college or, or what have you back to Europe um, they'd be the ones pushing for this the most, right? If you're if you're Alexis Lafreniere, pretty sure you love the uh, this idea that came out yesterday, <laughs> uh, as opposed to waiting until September, or October, or whenever the draft would be after a season to find out who you know who's drafting you. But there's tons of negatives attached to this idea as well, and you know I've been talking to team executives around the NHL all day long and. I will tell you that probably two-thirds of the responses have been negative towards it uh, for obvious reasons. I mean, you know, what do you do with all the conditional picks, right? I mean, you're going to have a draft before the playoffs, and the playoffs are supposed to decide what happens with all these conditional first-round picks and, and other picks, right, that are tied to playoff performance. Um, as a couple of team executives mentioned to me, and I believe this was actually brought up on the GM's call to – uh, Bill Daly, according to one team executive yesterday, what happens if a team conceivably could either win the lottery or finish high in the lottery and then turn around and squeeze uh, a couple weeks later, if they're a regular season game, squeeze into the playoffs and even win a couple rounds, if not win the cup. Yep. And essentially that is conceivable <laughs> that you could yeah, no. you, well, you could win the lottery and the cup uh, all within the same few months and that obviously doesn't sit well with with a lot of people so we'll see where this goes i will say this and i'm going to write this i don't know how often in the 25 years i've covered this league that that gary bettman would drop this kind of idea on a 
on the GMs without having given it some thought. And when I say some thought, probably liking the idea before it gets to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So (laughs) I would keep that in mind. Yeah. No, it's a good point. I'm with the two thirds. I I don't like it. I think it's, I I don't see that there is enough upside uh, to it. So that's my view on that. Uh, The other thing that you wrote this week, which I was completely, you know, again, sort of, maybe it shouldn't have been surprising um, given that, you know, on some levels, the hockey world, you know, doesn't stop, right? I mean, teams, whether they're you're a GM of a team locked into a playoff spot or looking at a draft lottery or whatever, but you're always looking at how you can improve your team and, and looking to move forward. And I think your report on the New Jersey Devils uh, beginning to either, I don't know whether the word expand their coaching search or certainly take a step in their coaching search and talking to um, remotely Gerard Gallant, former coach of the year and uh, shockingly uh, relieved of his duties in Vegas uh, earlier in this season. A, I'm, were you taken by surprise by it? And B, does do you think we'll hear more as time moves forward uh, during the pause the teams, other teams are, are making similar calls and, and, and setting their ducks up in a similar fashion. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I, I reached out to all the teams that have interim coaches because those would be the only teams that at this point would have any reason to, to begin their, you know, coaching interviews. And the Devils are the only team doing it right now. Um, and some of the other teams, it's obvious why they're not. I mean, Calgary, Minnesota, and Dallas, uh, you know, may all be playing playoff hockey, or at least two out of the three of them, right? Um, so they've they've indicated that they're going to wait until after their seasons are over to decide what they're doing with their coaching position, which, of course, could be just keeping who they have now. Um, San Jose is the only other team, essentially, that almost in a, an identical position as the Devils, right? They're out of it. They're not playing playoff hockey. Um, they have an interim head coach, Bob Bugner, but they've uh, not chosen at this point uh, to pick up the phone and start talking to candidates. First of all, and I believe Doug Olson was quoted, I think by our own Kevin Kurz or by the San Jose media uh, weeks ago saying Bob Bugner is going to be a top candidate um, at the end of the year to get the full-time gig anyway. But it remains to be seen if Doug Wilson and the Sharks decide to talk to other candidates at some point. And it sounds like if they do, it certainly hasn't happened yet. And it might wait till after the year. There are pros and cons to doing it now or later. I, I like that Tom Fitzgerald, the GM in New Jersey, is doing it now. Uh, first of all, by the way, he's interim GM. <laughs> so was, it's interesting yes. that he has ownership's green light to be doing this. Yeah. And not only did he interview Gerald Gallant last week, but in, in a virtual manner, of course, I should point out that they weren't face-to-face. But I'm also totally interviewed. He's talked to a couple other candidates, by the way. So they're certainly in the throes of this. And Alan Nazardine, the current um, coach, is very much uh, a candidate to get the job himself. But the the pros of waiting, like I think San Jose will, is that there are candidates that may become available that you don't even know of right now. That and you know another that there may be results from the end of the resume season if there is one and playoffs that lead to uh, other firings or potentially of some intriguing assistant coaches that 
at that point you'd be allowed to talk to, right? So, you know, I understand both sides, both philosophies, but I think there's no harm in what the Devils are doing. I mean, Gerard Gallant is sitting there, um, you know, he's a free agent. Why not talk? Why not talk to a guy that's going to be in in high demand since you yeah. have the time to do yeah. it right now? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And, you know, I was, I, I didn't think much of the decision to fire Ray Shiro. Certainly the timing of it didn't seem to make any sense to me after he'd made his own coaching chain, which, uh, you know, firing John Hines and uh, had also been responsible for trading the team's top player and top asset in Taylor Hall to, um, to Arizona. So I, I didn't understand that. I, I would hope because I think Tom Fitzgerald has done an admirable job there. I thought his work at the trade deadline in returning assets for players that didn't fit for the Devils long term was admirable. And I, you know, I would like to think that this is an organization that, you know, maybe has already made its decision on how they would like to look moving forward. Certainly from the GM position on down. But to, I mean, do you take it? Do you like? Do you sort of assume that if Tom Fitzgerald is out there talking to potential coaches, that that the job is is his, assuming he wants it, or should we never assume anything? I mean, I think it's a positive indicator for for Tom Fitzgerald that, I mean, if the ownership group still had a lot of doubts about his abilities to be GM, how could they let him start the coaching process? Agreed. I mean, I, I, I you know maybe I'm missing something, but I feel like he's. And I think he had a very good trade deadline. You know, he got a really high return for, for Blake Coleman and decent return on Andy Green. Uh, I think he managed those files really well. And uh, I would give him the gig if I was, you know, if I were the Devils. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I, I'm going to ask you, I always ask you, uh, you didn't give me the definitive Philly answer I was looking for, but every week now I'm wondering where on a scale of 1 to 10 – your feelings on whether we, whether we're going to see more hockey this uh, before before the end of this, whether we're going to see more hockey in the 2019-20 season. You started out, admittedly, <laughs> pessimistic it was going to happen. Scale of one to ten, where are you at right now on whether we see hockey again? Yeah. So, so here's the answer I'm going to give you: is that yes, I, it, it, it all signs point to me, especially when I realized last week in some of my reporting that of the money involved even without fans in the arena. You know, the money that the league can preserve uh, in sponsorship and media revenues. You get why there's incredible urgency from both the players and owners to salvage some remblance of a, some semblance of a, a playoff tournament. So I, I, I do think the, the focus seems so acute that I think it's it's all signs point toward towards summer hockey. Okay. Right. That does so not, not mean, me- however, that does not mean, however, that I think it's a great idea. I, I still think, I, I think it's a bit hokey and, you know, I understand the financial reasons for it, but I don't know. I, if it wasn't that there was so much money involved, I, I just feel from the purity of the sport aspect that cancel the season and just put all your energies into, you know, getting a, um, you know, a solid package together for next season when when hockey comes back that that would be my take but obviously that's not going to happen it doesn't look like no but and i 
I don't agree. I, I think that I think you can do it. I think if you do it safely, and the fact that there are no fans in the building is, you know, yeah, I get that. That's I get that that's not normal. But this is not a normal time. And I think if you can, you know, as long as you can do it safely and you're not, you know, you're not destroying the integrity of the actual playoff tournament. I think it could be something that's really important, not just on a specific level for the game and for the players and the owners and the health of the game financially. But Mm -hmm. I think it could be something that's important for, you know, what is going to take a lot of healing, um, obviously globally, but certainly within North America and and getting back to, you know, a feeling that that we're beyond this. So. You know, you know me. I'm a I'm a glass half full kind of you guy. You are, Plus, and and by I the like, way, only you could tell Carter Hart about the Las Vegas Lounge in Philadelphia. I mean, honest to goodness. <laughs> well, I love that place, and I'm not surprised that it was not a place that he he would necessarily want to spend a lot of time at. But as you know, you and I've had some very enjoyable moments in there. So it's it's all the company you keep, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we go, uh, you should also uh, give a listen to some of uh, the other athletic podcasts. Uh, what was the last time Craig Custance had you on the full 60? When, when, did he? Oh, you know what? We did the. We sort of did a split when we did the decades one with Craig, didn't we? Yeah, and plus uh, I was on with him at the gym meetings, which seemed like six well, yeah, months ago, don't... but it was actually early March, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. It does feel like 100 years ago. That, that's the podcast I was not invited on. But uh, yeah. anyway, Tyler Sagan of the Dallas Stars had a good chat with Tyler at uh, All-Star in St. Louis. Uh, and it sounds like this is a terrific interview. Uh, so you should give a listen to Tyler Sagan and uh, joining Craig Custance on the full 60 this week in The Athletic. Um, also, f- former... Uh, Vancouver great Pavel Burry joins Jeff Patterson and Thomas Drantz on the VanCast this week. That's another one. And I'm going to give uh, also um, Dean Evans, head coach of the Minnesota Wild. You mentioned the Wild sort of on that to playoff bubble. Uh, he's joining Mike Russo on Straight from the Source. That's another one there. And the other interesting part about podcasts, my friend, I'm not sure if you knew this, but we've introduced a, a comments section for each podcast episode at The Athletic app. So that's like, you know, the at sign, The Athletic app. So make sure you say hello. Let us know how we're doing up here. I'm going to be uh, uh, encouraging you to go in and answer all the fans' uh, commentary. Um, And uh, so that's kind of a cool new thing that we've got going. And you shouldn't forget to rate and subscribe to Two Man Advantage on Apple. And if you click on the show's URL theathletic.com slash two man advantage you'll get 40% off your subscription so there you go that's all happening see it, it feels like nothing's happening but it's all happening and that's a and once again I'm, I'm so pleased that we were able to connect my friend if uh, this is you know the apex of my week I look forward to these Wednesday sessions so you were very good today by the way very good indeed <laughs> well thanks for lining up Carter Hart brother good job by you yeah. and uh Hopefully by next week, we'll have a little more news about where this is all headed. We shall see. All right, my friend. Thank you. Stay safe.